Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1, and we are talking the Monaco Grand Prix. Yes, the Monaco Grand Prix on one of the greatest race weekends that exist in the racing universe. That is, of course, if you guys are familiar with the other races around, we have the Indy 500, we have Monaco, and of course, if you're a NASCAR fan, the Coca-Cola 600. And, you know, before I get into the podcast, I just want to wish our soldiers a very happy Memorial Day. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made for our country in the United States and and for soldiers all around the world as well. Anyway, going into this, the Monaco Grand Prix. I got to say, maybe it's because my expectations for Monaco are usually measured, are usually... I'm going to be very honest. I am one of these guys who constantly says, why are we going to Monaco? The racing is not that good. I think the track has, to some extent, lived out its welcome it doesn't really fit the new f1 cars we need to make substantial changes to allow for passing but sometimes sometimes we have a monaco race weekend that really does make us love monaco and remember why we love monaco and this race weekend again maybe because my expectations were so low but i genuinely enjoyed the monaco race weekend this year I think it had some solid drama, not just in qualifying, but in the race as well. So let's get to it. Let's start talking about, of course, where really the big news for Monica was. And that was that qualifying session. I mean, if anybody had a chance and if you didn't watch the qualifying session live on Saturday, I really recommend that you go back and watch it because... First of all, there was, you know, this tire play, you know, the track was evolving. There was kind of times being thrown all over the place. Some good qualifying efforts by surprise people. Yuki Sonoda, for example. Um, You know, we had the McLarens qualifying decently. And then, of course, we have the Alpine surprising. Esteban Ocon, who I got to say, and I'm going to talk about this when we talk about the race itself, too. But Esteban Ocon, I love Esteban Ocon and... I'll get into that more, but he is a genuinely such a great driver. I think one of the most underrated on the grid. Nevertheless, uh, that qualifying, that last segment of qualifying when we had basically Fernando and Max Verstappen going head-to-head was one of the best qualifyings I have seen in a long time. And, you know, Fernando absolutely nailing that lap. The, the way he nailed his qualifying lap his last qualifying lap i thought for sure that we were going to see fernando on that number one slot in the grid but as he has shown us in the past his prowess in qualifying and that is max verstappen just absolutely laying down probably one of the greatest qualifying laps you will ever see and you know it was giving me shades back to um saudi arabia in 21 where max was if max had nailed his saudi qualifying lap that would have definitely gone down as one of the greatest qualifying laps in formula one history but max verstappen's qualifying lap not even qualifying lap his sector three at monaco was really really the stuff of legends and i've had the chance to watch uh some telemetry data on it the comparison of fernando versus max and really the first two segments was all Fernando and Max just absolutely crushes locked in for that last sector of his qualifying lap to absolutely basically steal pole from Fernando Alonso and you know there's a lot of controversy I think a lot of people debate 
and this is always an ongoing debate. Lewis Hamilton has had the same debate. Schumacher, we've gone back to the Senate. Anybody you think of, when there is a dominant driver, there's always this question. Is it the car? Is it the driver? And, you know, for guys like Lewis, guys like Max, who I think have solidified themselves as true legends of the sport, it's more than just car and driver. It is the combination of the two who gets the most out of their car and we've seen time and time and time again from max verstappen since he's been in this series since he's been in formula one we have seen max verstappen able to extract every ounce out of the car that he is given and i would say the same for lewis as well but there are legends in the sport that just Yes, they have the car, they have the tools, but they know how to use the tools. And what we saw with Max Verstappen in his qualifying lap at Monaco was man and machine coming together to put together one of the greatest laps you will ever see. It's the stuff of legends. So Max Verstappen stealing pole, really, really incredible stuff in that qualifying session when he looked i mean if you watched his first and second sectors you were like there is no chance it's gonna be fernando alonso's pole gonna be fernando alonso's maybe race to lose but max verstappen managed managing to solidify himself on pole with a spectacular qualifying lap seriously laps you don't see like that often so, nevertheless, we get into uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. And, you know, the Alpines really surprised me this week. Esteban Ocon really just having a heck of a drive. But the Monaco Grand Prix itself, I mean, the race weekend, of course, we had the hype between, uh, you know, the the new Mercedes, the new-look Mercedes, which, you know, you got to give credit. If you were looking at the new Mercedes, um, obviously, with side pods now ditching the zero side pods concept, which RIP, I, you know, I found the zero side pods concept intriguing. I thought it kind of looked nice on the car. Obviously, functionality was not quite there, but um, I thought it was really cool to see Mercedes with side pods again. And, uh, you know, you could tell how the cost cap has greatly affected the way these teams develop these cars because. If you look closely at the Mercedes, you can see where literally the carbon fiber weaving is different. Uh, the paint's a little different. You can tell that it was really this <laughs> effort undertaken to improve this car. But, you know, obviously within the constraints of the budget cap making for, I don't want to say a Franken car, but it, it looked kind of interesting up close with the different seams and waves. Uh, just something, you know, aesthetic to notice. But functionality-wise... You know, the Mercedes, it'll be remain to be seen how good this Mercedes is because you can't really prove much with Monaco, but it will be interesting to see how that car develops. And of course, the funniest thing was, you know, during qualifying, we have, you know, all this hype about Mercedes trying to fix their car, all this stuff, and Hamilton bins it in one of the practice sessions. We have this, for some reason, this crane operator really loved bringing these cars to like the highest level he could. It looked like we had cars flying through Monaco. But this crane operator flying this crane so high that we get not just a beautiful look of the Mercedes floor, but later when Checo Perez bins it, we get a nice view of the Red Bull floor, which I'm sure teams took, you know, a nice 4K look at that floor and figured out some, maybe some secrets. I don't know. I'm sure they have, like, you know, some 
fancy 3D scanner AI equipment going on there. I don't know, but you know there's going to be teams that are going to be, you know, rubbing their hands at that crane operator, maybe paying him a little extra money, maybe giving him a little extra, you know, tip for his work at Monaco exposing some floor secrets. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the Monaco Grand Prix itself. So we knew that during uh, last year's was atrocious with the rain, but we knew that there was a chance for rain this year. And I would say the beginning of the race started off quite procedurally. You know, I the only disappointment I had, I really thought that at some point in that first lap, we were just going to see Fernando Alonso go full send. I really thought he was going to full send go for it but he started on hard tires for stepping on medium uh you could see the strategy kind of weaving out between fernando and max and you know the first part of the race relatively minor you know we had that oh my god that massive i guess you could call it accordion like crashes involving i think it was uh logan Sargent got a bit lance stroll who was like a bumper car all day we had the haas involved I'm trying to think who else but you know, you could see that it was like bumper cars and beat, which typical Monaco you expect. But man, it looked like pure carnage in that first couple of laps. And then, you know, the race kind of settled down. We did have some overtaking. You know, Checo was going through a few overtakes. Um, who else did I see? The McLarens made some good overtakes late as well. Uh, I believe they were DRS assisted, but still impressive nonetheless that, you know, these cars could get some overtaking done at Monaco, at least. We had some. Uh, but yeah, the race really minor procedural. And then of course we get into the pit stop cycles and this is probably going to bother me for a while, but you know, Alonzo changes his tires for regular slicks for stopping the same. And then we get into this section of the race where, you know, it was that lap, what was it? Lap 55, 56 ish range where, I mean, things just went South. It reminded me really, I was getting vibes from russia where you know the track just all of a sudden became you know went this dry to wet race and you know we had a car sign carlos signs george russell rejoining the track unsafely almost getting turned over by checo perez with the way he came in uh we have you know max verstappen saying he basically got to go at like crawling speed and you just wish right you just wish that maybe 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 Fernando Alonso put on those inters when he made that pit stop. Because really, if he had, there might have been a chance, maybe a chance, that he could have stolen a race from Max Verstappen. And, you know, really for, I think this year, the way that Red Bull, this was probably the best chance for a team to steal a victory from Red Bull, realistically. I just don't, I don't see any teams just catching up to that gap that Red Bull has in this time we have left in the season i just i mean yes it's still kind of early remember about this time last year i believe charles leclerc was still in the points lead i might be wrong with that actually but um you know it was still close relatively in the championship last year but there is time for it to change but i just don't see anybody catching those red bulls i mean they are so far ahead it is insane and i know there have been talks about if you look at um different sources on twitter whatever that you know there's been discussions about leveling the playing field because red bull so dominant i don't want that i don't think that's fair i don't think that's what the spirit of formula one is about but anyway back to the race yeah you know you were kind of hoping that maybe fernando alonso aston martin could get the strategy figured out and maybe snatch a victory away from red bull by pure strategy pure 
skill in the rain, but alas, that strategy didn't quite work out. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing another Max Verstappen victory, but there was so much more in that race. I mean, we had Carlos Sainz getting into it with some, uh, strategy issues. Again, there was this whole moment where, you know, the Ferraris were basically gunning for Esteban Ocon. Well, like I said, I'll mention in a second, but the Ferraris were kind of gunning for Esteban. It seemed like Carlos Sainz was not quite happy with the strategy that was provided for Ferrari. Yet again, we're still like, it's the one thing that Ferrari just can't escape is, just sometimes pure poor strategy calls and it's just insane to watch and if you're a ferrari fan you got to feel you're hoping that slowly but surely these changes are going to result in something positive that you can come back from and right now the cars aren't even i would venture to say they're probably closer to the mercedes than they are even to the aston martin and you know i just think that it's going to be another sort of rebuilding year for ferrari and you know, I can see why, you know, if you're a Charlotte Claire fan, sorry, if you're a Charlotte Claire fan or if you're a Carlos Sainz fan, you know, you got to be going through some, if you're a Ferrari fan, you got to be going through these pains and just wondering when, when is it going to turn around? Um, the Mercedes, I got to say, Lewis Hamilton looked pretty solid. He ran a nice race, uh, opened up, a, I know George had a mess of a race, but Who's opened up a nice little gap on George Russell as well. Really, really drove a solid. I think for the new car, the new changes to the car, really just a solid race weekend. I know he did been in the one practice, but really solid race weekend for Lewis as well. And I think that's something to build off of if you're a Mercedes fan. But to me, the bigger stories, two big stories I really want to take out of this race. One being Esteban Ocon, which I'm always going to be an Esteban Ocon fanboy i mean i've been saying this for a long time i think the sport benefits from having a driver like an esteban hokan who i truly believe one of the most underrated drivers on the grid and yeah this year not really much to show for it the alpines have been struggling would have thought that him and pierre being together would have been you know a nice one-two combo but they've kind of been quiet i would say more than anything kind of flying under the radar not exactly the team that's making a lot of noise but i mean first of all with Ocon's qualifying lap you know i talked about how max verstappen had a spectacular qualifying lap but esteban Ocon straight up hammering it down for his qualifying lap setting himself up technically it's a fourth position but then i believe it was carlos Sainz got that penalty for impeding lando so then moved him up to third and really took the most out of it and you know to get himself on the podium again in formula one in not the greatest machinery showing you that i think he's just a gritty driver with great talent he's never been afraid to mix it up we've seen him get into fights with max verstappen in the past we've seen him mix it up with checo when they were teammates i just think that esteban Ocon really is a solid driver and you know if there's a driver to get behind it is him because his story He's not one of these drivers who have come from a, a storied background. He's really, his parents struggled to get into Formula One. He was with Racing Point. Basically, for lack of a better term, in my opinion, he got screwed at Racing Point when Lawrence Stroll bought the team and Lance Stroll hopped on board. I feel like he really was a driver that got shafted in that agreement and lost his seat basically to Lance Stroll. And, you know, he took that time worked with mercedes 
got better. I wouldn't even say got better, but maintained his abilities. You know, was has been with Renault now forever. Renault and now Alpine. And has really, you know, he got that race victory in Hungary. Of course, that was pure chaos, but still drove that car great there. Um, has gotten podiums since. Uh, I mean, has gotten podiums before that with Renault. Got this podium now. Just really a solid driver. He was in contention for that podium at uh, Saudi Arabia in the Alpine. I believe that was last year, two years ago, right? So really, really just a solid driver. And I really think that he deserves where he should be in Formula 1. And I know Alpine has not had a great year. But if there's a positive to build off of, it was definitely this Monaco race weekend. One of their better race weekends. And speaking of teams that you know you need a little positive uplifting, how about McLaren? McLaren getting some points, right? And, you know, for a team that really has been struggling as well, I think they're due for some upgrades. And there are a lot of McLaren fans out there. You got to feel for McLaren fans. It's been a tough year. It's like all over again. You know, last year all over again where it's just been a consistent struggle. But you got to be happy. You got to be feeling a little good, you know. Um, and, you know, for both Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri to get into the points in Monaco, actually making some good overtakes, like I said, uh, you got to be happy. You got to be feeling a little better about yourself if you're a fan of McLaren, if you're a Lando Norris fan, if you're a Piastri fan. And, you know, I think Piastri has gotten a lot of, you know, hate maybe unfairly in the beginning of his race season. But I really think as a rookie driver, he's been quite solid this year. I think he's been steady. All of the three rookies, I mean, we have Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, who, by the way, props to Nick DeVries too. Solid race weekend, good qualifying effort. Didn't get in the points, but hey, to finish 12th, Monaco, I know there was all that chaos at the end, but I got to give it to him. It was a solid race for Nick DeVries, who really needed something solid because man that team has been struggling overall i mean yuki's been stealing points yuki didn't have his best race um but nick devries has been struggling for a long time and you know to have that good result amidst rumors of you know alpha tari wanted to ditch him and everything uh, a much needed result for him logan Sargent wasn't really spectacular uh but yeah oscar piastri getting into the points Really just being consistent. I think he's just trying to figure out that car, figure out F1. And we got to give the same benefit of the doubt to Logan Sarge and Nick DeVries as well. They, You know, Yuki has had three years. Some drivers had two. We're only a quarter, basically. A little more than a quarter of the season done. So, you know, we got to give these drivers a little more patience, especially these rookie drivers. Especially Nick DeVries, who's come from Formula E, you know, and then F2 drivers. We got to give them, you know, some chance. So... But Monaco was a good race weekend. I enjoyed Monaco. I enjoyed having a little chaos. Maybe it was because, you know, the expectations were so low. But overall, Monaco was a good race weekend for me. I, I enjoyed the racing. I enjoyed, you know, the chaos that was brought on by the rain. Nevertheless, uh, the race weekend itself, too. I mean, hey, if you caught the Indy 500, had its own little controversy with the last lap. Marcus Erickson, Formula F1 guy. Still, this is a guy who can win another championship. Marcus Erickson just looking solid as a IndyCar driver. Wasn't so solid in F1. Maybe never got a fair shot. But really killing it in Formula 1. Props to Joseph Newgarden for winning. And then the Coca-Cola 600 in NASCAR was another solid race. A lot of action. And another longtime driver that hasn't won 
in quite some time. Ryan Blaney getting that victory. So I enjoyed the Memorial Day full of races. Uh, genuinely a good race weekend. And I'm looking forward to Spain. No chicane at Spain this time. So, And finally, finally, we don't have to wait a whole nother two weeks. Oh, we do. No, wait. Or is my schedule wrong? No, we don't. That's right. It's oh my god. It's already. It's almost June fourth. This is crazy. Yeah, we don't have to wait another week in between. It's already race week. So, I'll come back at with you guys. I'll come back. I'll be back. I can't talk. I'll be back on Thursday talking to you guys about some tidbits for the race at Spain. No chicane. I'm excited. Get pumped. Good race. See you guys Thursday.